following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. I believe a supernatural strength to us today and so it's going to empower us that we can pursue, recover and take back everything that the enemy has stolen from us. So would you put your hands together and welcome Dr. Dalton Smith as she comes to share this word with us today. Come on. Good morning. morning. Let me get, let me make sure we have all our slides together. A couple of weeks ago, I guess around the first of the year, Ken had me come up and give you a little bit of this. It's coming from 1 Samuel chapters 30. And we were talking about kind of that whole process of what I felt like God was telling me for my scripture for the year. Well, a a couple of weeks ago after that, He comes back and he goes, I think we need to break that word down a little bit, to break that passage of scripture down. Now, if you're like me, sometimes you get so busy that when you get a bit of the word, you get like what I call a snack. You get like two or three verses that really speak to you, and that's good sometimes. That's all you need is just a little snack. But sometimes you need a deep feeding where you go deeper into a word to the point where it gets beyond just the superficial And you're really kind of pulling out the nutrients from it. Now, my background is biology and biochemistry. And I believe God uses whatever he's got. If it's a donkey, he'll talk through a donkey. If it's a fisherman, he'll talk through a fisherman. And what does he say when he talks to the fisherman? It's about being a fisher of men. It's using what he's got. Well, like I said, my my background is biology and biochemistry. So when I go into something, I like to what I call dissect a word. I like to take chunk by chunk and see what is it saying to me in that piece of scripture. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to break down 1 Samuel 30, chunk by chunk. And we're going to start off with, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically give you a little bit, and I'm going to tell you what I felt like God was speaking to me through it. Because what I, what I initially do, I talk a lot, as Pastor Ken had mentioned. God's opened up some crazy doors that I don't feel qualified to walk through. But what I found is he doesn't ask me to be qualified. He just asked me to be willing to just show up and, and speak my heart. My son and I, my son, Tristan, and my other son, Isaiah, I know Pastor Ken said Jackson only because I posted on the computer uh, the other day about Tristan and his friend Jackson actually winning um, an award yesterday at the hackathon. And so on the drive, which is an IT computer thing. So on the drive home, I was talking to my son, and I was like, I was like, okay, I'm getting all geared up to get in front of the church. He goes, oh, mama, that's no big deal. There might be like 50, 60 people there. I'm like, baby, we go to church every day. 200, I think he said. I was like, we go to church every day. That's way more than 200 people in that room. And he says, oh, well, well that, you might need to be worried about that then. <laughs> He's like, that's a little, I was like, I was like, it's probably more like six, seven hundred or something. He's like, well, you might need to be worried about that. Let me tell you what God told me when I, the very first, because I got to tell you, when I first got called out to start doing this, the very first thing, when I felt God was speaking this in my heart, the very first thing I said to him is I said, God, you know, I'm good with writing, because that's behind closed doors. That's me and you. 
And then if a publisher wants to put it out, more power to them. Go ahead and do it because I don't have to do anything but sit in my corner and write. But what I said, the one thing I asked you to not have me ever do is to stand in front of people on a stage where I can make a fool of myself. And, I, and let me tell you what God told me, because I was talking to my husband about this. We was talking about the, the number one fear for people is public speaking. That makes no sense. We talk to people publicly every day. That would be like saying the number one fear is walk, public walking. We're always in front of people walking. And, I used, and, I, and when God said to me, this is what I feel like you're supposed to do, be in front of people sharing what I'm sharing to you, I said, why am I so fearful about this? Why, why does this hurt my heart so much to get in front? He's like, because you're more worried about pleasing them than pleasing me. And let me tell you, that kind of deep conviction will have you on your face weeping because you don't want to believe that about yourself. But it was the truth. And I finally got to the point where God said, you know what? And even with this message, my husband's like, you got it wrote up. I'm like, oh, I'm not really. Every time I tried to write it, I would erase and I'd write, and I'd erase. And I said, Holy Spirit, what is going on? I know this is something you've gotten for me to share. What is going on? He's like, this is not a scripted word. You can't come prepared for me. You've got to just show up, be willing to throw it out there, and let, and let it fall. And so that's what we're about to do. <laughs> so we're going to start off with the very first part of 1 Samuel 30. And... Uh, the, let me just give you a little background. I think we've all kind of heard this story. It's David at Ziklag. And so this is David that we all know about. David who has already been called by Samuel, the prophet Samuel. All the brothers got lined up. He wasn't even thought about. You know, he was out in the field somewhere doing what he does, not worried about being called. He got called up. God says, you're the one. Or Samuel says, you're the one through God. Then we see him step out in faith, kill a giant that in all reality, should never have been able to have been killed with one stone. Wow. That's a miracle. Then, basically, he spends the next part of his life running from Saul. Because what happened was there was a prophetic word spoken. There was a moment of confirmation. And then we see the battle. And so there's, there's a long process of battle. And some of us have been in that long process of battle. And, you, and you're tired. And you're weak. And you're discouraged. And you can't, you can't receive a word like the one that I gave at the beginning of the year or the one that Chuck gave not too long ago because you're still, you're, you're, you're pushed down still. And so we're going to deal with that part of it because David understood that more than any of us. He had been told he was going to be king, and now he's on the run. And so in the beginning of this, in the beginning of 1 Samuel 30, he is coming back from another battle to find everything destroyed. Talk about getting from bad to worse. And it said, David and his men arrived to the town. They found it burned down. So now we're looking at ashes. It looks like it can't even be repaired. Have your life ever looked like that? It looks like there is just ashes. What can God do with ashes? If it's a wall that got docked down, maybe he could put the blocks back together. But if it's ashes, now what do we do? And it said that David and the troops with him wept loudly until they had no strength left. 
This is the thing that I want to start with. We got to understand it's okay to grieve a loss. Some of us spend so much time trying to act like things didn't bother us, pretending that instead of allowing healing, we sit there and we try to act like it didn't hurt. Now, as a physician, like I said, I've got to teach you from where I stand. As a physician, if I put a Band-Aid on a festering wound, you're going to become toxic and septic. And you have run into some toxic, septic people in the walls of churches. Because what happens is we can't show up here and act like we're not in pain if we're in pain. There is no healing in that. The healing comes in being able to say, I'm wounded. I need healing. I don't want a Band-Aid. I want treatment, full therapy. And so for those of you who, if you're like me, when I first got started with church, our very first church we went to here, and my husband will testify, I would walk in the doors and tears would just start flowing. I couldn't even understand what I was crying about. Nobody had talked to me, bothered me, anything else. I was just weeping. And one day I was sitting there and I'm like, God, I'm tired of crying. Why am I crying every time I walk into a church? I'm going to look like I'm not crazy. I walk into a church and I just start weeping. And what God was showing to me at that time was tears don't mean defeat. We got to start thinking our tears are defeat. When I was sitting there one day just weeping before God, I said, God, what is this? And the word that hit me is those are the prayers you don't even have the strength to say. You don't even know how to articulate it. But your spirit knows it needs to be released. And unless it's released, there is no healing. So that's the very first thing I want you to see in that passage we just looked at at 1 Samuel 33 through 4. Is that it says David wept and his men wept till they had no strength left. Sometimes we've got to be willing to just come to God empty. Not trying, to, not trying to say, well, God, I'm not mad at you. If you're mad, say it. It's not like he doesn't already know. Get it out. You can't heal any kind of relationship that you're going to lie in. You've got to have truth, and you've got to be willing to just let it go. Next, we're going to take a look at 1 Samuel um, 30 and 6. It said David was in a difficult position because the troops talked about stoning him. For they were all very bitter over the loss of their sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. I think the, the first thing to look at that is the very first section. The troops were talking about stoning him. Hurt people want to hurt people. And we can't, we can't expect to have a body that is able to give and to love when that's the, that's the tendency. When you hurt, you want to lash back out. You want to go back and, and, and get back at those people that hurt you. So the only way to begin turning that situation around was for David to start finding the healing he needed, the strength, the power that he needed. And that only comes from God. David had to have his mind renewed, his hope renewed, his faith renewed, all these things built back up so that he could even begin this process. You know, when we look at recovering all, um, right after that word that I uh, gave when I was standing over there somewhere, um, you'll remember it. I talked about my football team, but I won't mention today. But <laughs> Pastor Dan got up and gave, a, and, and gave a prophetic word from Isaiah 50. 
about um, repairing the breach, about the, the rebuilding of those walls that have been destructed and that have been torn down. And, and I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe, God, I don't believe they occur. I believe everything is a God coincidence. <laughs> he sets things up in motion, whether we acknowledge them or not. So right, that particular word was one that God had been speaking to me for probably five, year, five six, seven years now. And it's so complicated from in Isaiah 50 where he talks about that. I, and I still am processing through what all of that means. But when, I was right, when he said that right after I gave the talk or that little bit of prophetic word about 1 Samuel and, recover, and this being a year to recover all, the very first thing that hit my spirit was that my people are those walls that have been knocked down. My people are the, are, is what needs to be restored and to build back up. Because, you see, there's a kingdom we're fighting, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. We are in one kingdom, and there is a kingdom that we're fighting of darkness that we cannot stand against until we fully recognize who we are in Christ. And that's why fast track is so vital for us as a body, to be able to understand how to get that finding out your identity, knowing who you are in Christ and being able to move forward with that. So that's what David did. He had to start strengthening himself. And that strengthening comes in many forms. It comes in getting in the word. It comes in getting with other believers who can stand there with you in the battle. It comes from rest and quiet time, getting away with God. So all of those are parts of it. And then when we go to, to the next one, 1 Samuel 37 through 8, it said, David said to the priest to bring him the ephod. So the priest brought the ephod to him, and I'm going to stop right there, and I'll come back to that in a moment. So we're going to go forward and backwards for, for the um, media people a little bit. But this part right here where it talked about David asked the priest to bring him the ephod. Now, if you're like me, you're like, what's an ephod? What, what is that, and why is that in the middle of this, this passage? It doesn't seem to have any significance. Whenever that happens, for me, because I like to dissect, I go all the way back. I mean, I got books and textbooks and commentaries and all kinds of things pulled up on the computer trying to figure out, God, what are you saying in that piece of, of Scripture? Now, the ephod goes all the way back to Genesis. I mean, we're going way back, all the way back. I'm a New Testament kind of girl. Give me the stuff that Paul talks about. When we go all the way back to Genesis, you're taking me deep into the Word. So show the picture of the ephod. The ephod is a piece of clothing that was worn by the high priest, who is our high priest, Jesus. On the breastplate of that garment were stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel, the people of God. Now, when I saw that by itself, that stopped me in my tracks. Because we look at David, he's in his lowest point. And he, what does he ask for? He asked them to bring him a garment that represents the high priest, the one who he has written on his heart. It is a remembering of who God is and who I am to God, that I am precious, that I am never so far gone from him, no matter how low or burned down the situation may be, that I am on his heart day and night. Now I want you to think about that because this is how he is strengthening because he is remembering who God is in his life. And it, the other thing that goes with this is that 
This piece of garment is worn when the priest goes into the Holy of Holies. Now, the Holy of Holies is that place in the temple. We got the inner, the outer course, the inner course. We're not going to go through all that. That's a whole nother sermon. But just thinking about it, he's the, take, he's the only one that can go into the Holy of Holies, the high priest. Inside the Holy of the Holies is the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark is a, it, what is symbolized for the, for the Israelites was that God dwells with us. He goes with us. He's, his presence is with us. And that his people can get guidance from him wherever they happen to be. Now, it's a, it's a wooden box covered in gold that had three things on the inside of it. It has the stones of the Ten Commandments, a jar of manna, and Aaron's budding rod. Now, let's take a look at each one of those. The stones of the Ten Commandments. That's our relationship with God. That's telling us how this thing's supposed to work. How we're, to, how we're to interact. The jar of manna, supernatural, unlimited provision. Aaron's budding rod. If you've ever had a stick fall off your tree, a branch, it does not keep blooming. That's miracle working power. So we've got all three of those things contained in a box. And then this is what really set me off. It has another name. The Ark of the Covenant is also called the Ark of the Testimony. Every one of you have a testimony. And that testimony contains your relationship with God, his unlimited provision, and his miracle-working power. Now, this is, the, this is the catch to it, though. This is where we get so confused because we don't feel like that sometimes. We don't feel like that's something that's contained within our, within our grasp. On the top of the Ark of the Covenant, you see the two cherubims. And their arms are outstretched so that they cover what's called the mercy seat. And so they are, they're, they're, over, they're overshadowing or recovering something. So when we talk about recovering all, some of us need to go to that part. Where our, where our belief in what God could do got uncovered. And it's no longer feeling like it is under the, the blood. That is no longer under the shadow of God's presence and his power. So that we can place it back on the mercy seat. So that we can receive what we need to receive. Now go back to uh, Samuel 30, 7 through 8. And the next thing it said is, should I, what David said was, after he got this ephod and all that goes with it, should I pursue these raiders and will I overtake them? So in other words, okay, the enemy took something from me. Should I even try to get it back? Or should I just stay here in this place of feeling down and out? I love what he said, what's, what the word says next. At 1 Samuel 38 through 9, the next thing he said, the next thing that he says is, so, God, so he's, God answered, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. And look what David, what, what does the next three words, it just, just blows my mind. So David went. Now, if you've ever had a word from God, most of us, we don't just move. We sit on that word for, uh, until we have prayed about it. 
We ask everybody we know for, the, for counsel about how is this thing supposed to work. We want him to give us the A, B, C plan just in case A doesn't work. What's the rest of this supposed to look like so that I got a backup so I'm not just out here on my own. But David didn't say that. What it shows me that is, is when you really believe what God said, you move. You don't ask for explanation of how it's going to work. You don't try to figure out all the details. You move on faith, believing that what he said is true. And so David didn't sit around trying to figure it all out. He just acted upon it. And I, I, there's a song we sing called Waymaker. And that was a song God had really been pressed on my heart for a long time. And that was actually my word last year, that he is the way. And what, what, what really he started teaching me through that word is, is if I'm the way, then you need to stop trying to tell me how to work it. <laughs> you need to start, telling, start trying to show, tell me how you want it to look. Because sometimes the way is not the way you would have picked. But it is the way that is strengthening you. We ask for strength, but we don't want to do the repetitions. And sometimes those repetitions don't feel good. You're in there working it out with God, working out your faith. And what I love with David's story is in the whole 1 Samuel 30 verse is that it's such a picture of how that looks, how we work it out, how we, how we move through it. I mean, if you even think about David's life, every time he stepped into something, he had already been presented with how to be strengthened in that area. You don't fight a giant and you've, without it ever having fought anything that you think is greater than you before. He'd already been through the lion and the bear. I'm sure he didn't want to be there fighting them when they showed up for the sheep. But it was all part of the training, all part of God moving him in the right direction. And some of you wish you hadn't gone through what you went through. And so we're still in the grieving process saying, God, why do I have to go through that? I, that didn't feel good. I didn't like it. I don't, want to, I don't want to have to have that experience or that on my resume, so to speak. I don't want to have that in my part of my testimony. But it's all part of your strengthening when your vision and your perspective on it is right. We have to get our perspective out of the victim mode into the victor mode where we are being built up by the things that come against us and not feeling like we're constantly being pressed down by them. The next one is verse 11 through 15. So after David got all this word, he went, he got started. There were 600 men that got going with him and 200 got tired along the way. And so when someone gets tired along the way, he let them rest at the brook. Now, this is what I think is really good. They were resting, but they were also working. Because as they rested, they, wa they watched over the supplies so that David and the other 400 men could move faster. What that tells me is everybody's needed. Where you're positioned at doesn't change your importance. So whether God is calling you to, to be on Daystar or be a star in your own house, it doesn't change your importance. We're all on the same playing field. We're all equally loved and cherished by God. We're all equally needed. And so those 200 that were staying at the brook stayed there. And then David and the other 400 kept going. And they ran across an Egyptian who had been left by the rest of the, the troop. Now this man had been one of the ones that was involved with raiding and taking all of David's stuff. 
But he's, he's laying on the side. His team's left him. And so they brought him to David, and David said, who do you belong to and where are you from? And the guy said, we raided the south country, which was Ziglag. And he asked, David asked this. Now, this, this, is, this to me is so bold. He's asking the enemy, will you take me to the rest of them? And you know what happened? He did. Some of you need to understand God can use what the enemy meant for evil for good. That just because you have an enemy does not mean God can't work it out in that situation. He can't have the enemy work it out. And I love that the, right after that, in chapter 18 through 20, it said, so they went in there. He led them to where the camp was, and they, they, took, they destroyed them. They completely came out of that situation victorious. So David recovered all that had been carried away, not some, not a little, not a piece of, A-L-L, all that they had carried away. Nothing of theirs was lacking, great or small. And this is what I love. After they got it all, they got even more. It wasn't just, let me give you back what I took. See, what it says in Proverbs 631 is that if the thief is caught, he must repay seven times and even down to giving up his whole house. And that's what happened. Your enemy has to pay seven times too. So when God gives you a revelation about what the enemy has stolen and you identify who your enemy is, it's not your boss that's getting on your nerves. It's not, somebody, it's not your family that's maybe getting on your nerves too. It's none of those things. You have a true enemy. And once you recognize who the true enemy is, he must repay seven times. Now, the next part that, I, that goes from here toward the end is 26. So after he got back, recovered all, plus spoils, plus the extra, he goes back into Ziglag, back to the home base at that time. And when he got back there, he had all this stuff. And I didn't type that part up here, but there's a part in there where the, some of the 400 men said, well, you know, we got all this stuff now. We shouldn't have to share it with those 200 that were left behind. I mean, they didn't really do anything. That's how, that's how those 400 felt. They, they just sat there. We're the one who went into battle. We're the one who puts our behinds on the line. We, we're the one who had the blood, sweat, and tears. Those 200 shouldn't even receive anything. But David said, no, that's not, the, that's not God's way. That is, that is not the God we serve. This is not just our spoils. This is the spoils of the Lord. So it's a blessing for all. It's a communal blessing for the entire body. And so David had them then go and give, and this is verse 26, go and give spoils to friends and family and all the elders of Judah. And he says, here is a gift for you from the plunder of the Lord's enemies. See, this is why the battle gets like this. 
Because it's not just about you. And it's not just about me. If it was just about us, the enemy probably wouldn't fight us so hard. But the thing is, it's about everything connected to you. Your, your family, your coworkers, everybody. Everything that's connected to you. You have no idea whose life you're influencing just by walking in Walmart. You have no idea. One thing that I've learned over this past year with God opening up all kind of strange doors is that just because you feel small doesn't make God small. So sometimes I'll do something, I'll be like, God, that didn't bless nobody. But, and, and, and I'll then get an email later. For example, I had one, <laughs> the very first talk on Daystar that they did was completely not about anything I even expected. It was about my interracial marriage and, and all racial conciliation in the South. And I, I mean, they didn't even tell me that's what they were going to talk about. I showed up prepared to talk about rest, and we are deep into a racial reconciliation conversation. That I was just like, what, what are we talking about? Where, where did they even get this from? That's not even, and, the, and I said, God, okay, well, hopefully that blessed somebody. I, I can't tell you how many emails came in from people who needed that word that I didn't even know should be given. Even any know should have any significance whatsoever. Because it wasn't about me. God didn't really need me to talk about anything specific I wanted to talk about. He needed me to talk about what he wanted me to talk about. And so we have to understand that every time that we, we go through these situations that don't seem to make sense, that we can trust God to use it no matter what that he's able to, to step into that and to use it no matter what. Now, the, there's another scripture. I don't need it right now. But right after this, so that was the end of the 1 Samuel 30. And at the end of 1 Samuel 30, so David's recovered all, he's given back out. The very next thing that happens after that, 1 Samuel 30, 31, Saul dies. Now, you have to understand, we've, we've gone a long time from when David was first told he would be king. A long time. He's battled lots of battles. He's withstanded lots of, of conflict. And he gets into this season where he goes through this cycle of weeping and dealing with his grief. And then having to be strengthened back up through the process. And then having to understand that this promise goes all the way back to Genesis with the ephod and the ark of the testimony. That this is, and then having to have the courage to go into battle just because God said so. All of that had to transpire. And after that, that's when he became king. Because the process is like this. Sometimes your battle is your tipping point. It is the thing that takes you from where you're at to where God desires you to be. It's moving you. And what it moved David from in this 1 Samuel 30 passage, it moved him from being uh, running through the caves, hidden, unseen, dealing with all of that, that stress and battle into ruling and reigning. Now, we had a moment up here where that they sang a song that went something along, I'm going to put on my robe and tell the story, your testimony. The whole time they were singing that, I thought, God, you, how, how, 
I would say, what a coincidence. Yeah, that's, <laughs> we don't call that a coincidence anymore. Think about that. The battle was the tipping point. I want every one of you who feels like you have been going through a battle, I want you to shift your mindset wow. on where it is taking you. I believe that this is a season of recovering all. And you are somewhere in that process. Either you are grieving it, and that's okay, because you've got to get that out to be able to heal. Or you're healing, or you're at the point where you know there are some things that need to be put on the mercy seat so that God can redeem them and recover them. Or you're at the point where God's saying, stop asking me how I'm going to do it and just get up out the chair and move. Or you're standing there looking at your enemy and you need a divine strategy, like asking the enemy, like David did, a divine strategy, something that doesn't make sense to the natural mind on getting your stuff back. And so wherever you're at right now, that's what we need to be looking at. This whole process is a training ground. If we take a look at we put up Psalms 8, 1 through 6, the final scripture here. You know, David, one thing about David that, that I love is how real he is. You know, when you read the Psalms, he takes you to the lowest lows and the highest highs with God. But I love this scripture, particularly the very last verse, verse 6, where it says, you made them rulers. Well, let's go back and read the whole thing. So, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet. That is, that is kingdom. And what I want you to see is that we talk about Jesus being the king of kings. So the king of kings. Who are those kings he's king over? You. <laughs> All of you, top and bottom floor and in the lobby, all of you and online, you, all of you. And the thing about that is our kingdom mindset has to get us to a point where we understand that even from Genesis, where we were told that we had dominion, that we are meant to rule and to reign. And until we start thinking like that, of putting on that crown like they sang about and putting on that robe and standing in that spot. But just like David was, he was a king when he was going through Ziglag. You're still a king if you're going through your Ziglag, wherever position you're at, wherever you're at. He was still a king. And so that whole story shows us how a king in training looks, what it looks like to be a king in training or queen for us ladies, in training. Because we want to be able to get to that point where we understand that even though you get knocked down, 
you can't get back up. And even though it may look like it's all burnt up, God is, you have to remember, he is the master potter. Potters work in ashes and dirt. <laughs> They're able to remold it into something that is a new vessel able to hold whatever he is needing to pour into it. And so wherever you're at in the process, I want you to get to that point where you, you understand that you can feel broken, but none of us are broken beyond repair. He is still able to redeem and to save and to take us to that place that he said he would take us if we're willing to stay in training and to stay open to whatever God is doing. So in closing, so Pastor Kent, you're welcome to come on up, do your pastor thing you do. So, <laughs> so in closing, what I want to do is I just want to take a moment and just have, you, just have you start thinking about that. Where are you at in this process? Are you at the point where you're grieving? Because if you haven't let it out yet, you got to start there. We, we, you can't move forward until you heal what's been hurt. If you're at the point you're already hurt, you've grieved, and now you're just wounded and hurting, you got to be willing to let God come in and, and, and take you to a new place of healing with it. Are you at that point where you're like, God, I know you can help me, but I'm, I'm scared. I'm, let's be honest, I'm scared. I don't really know how to move forward. And it needs to have his covering, his blood placed back over it. Or if you're at that point where you're like, this next step, I can't see where I need to even step. I need guidance. That's what the, you know, that's what the whole ark and the holies, what holies was about. It was about getting in his presence for the guidance that you needed. And then finally to just go in to actually recover what, whatever it is. And when I say recover all, you know, with David, we're talking about, we're talking about possessions and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, that's what he was discussing. But if you think about it, it also said that they took his wife and kids. So we're talking about family, blessings. We're talking about a generational recovering. We're talking about recovering things that are not just physical as well. We're talking about recovering identity, recovering knowing who you are in Christ, recovering your hope, your peace, your faith, your joy, those things that are needed for you to feel strong in God. And we're talking about recovering that courage and boldness to step out, to, to not fear others, but to, to, but to fear not standing up to who God says you are and to be fully who he, said, who he says you can be. And just putting yourself out there. Because the thing is, I see myself as a first fruit, so to speak, of this body. So I've had people write things like, wow, God's really in your life using you. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm just like you. I, honestly, I am just like you. And people say, that can't be. I saw you on TV and I saw you wrote three books. I'm, I'm just like you. I've got two teenagers and we are trying to figure out how that works. <laughs> I've got a husband who I love and adore, but we're a married couple just like anybody else. So we have to keep all that working, placing it before God. I have a job that's stressful. If you've ever been in a doctor's office, you know that that is something else. Just try to get a prescription filled and call your doctor 10 times. Yeah, that's my day-to-day. -day. So, uh, so my life is just like yours. It's got the same stuff going on with it. But what I've found is this, is that the only thing when someone tells me that, the only thing that is different is just that I've, I finally got a revelation that it's not going to change if I, still, if I stay the same. I've got to let him change me. And so if I want it to look different, 
than what I'm standing in. I've got to be willing to do something different to get to where it is I'm, I, I want to go. I'm reading this word that tells me this is possible. And I'm living this life that says, I don't see it. And so there has to be a bridge that comes between that. And that's what I feel like Pastor Dan was talking about. There is a restoring that has to happen between what you see and you have allowed yourself to believe to be true and what the word of God says is true about you. So that, that at some point that you get enough, and I love when, when choirs like this come in because it gets our spirits all lifted up and excited because we need that. Sometimes we need what I call a battle cry. We need to get kind of pumped up like a football game so that we can say, you know what, that's a gap, but I can jump that baby. I'm going to get from this side to that side by God's grace. And so that's what I want some of you to start thinking about. Are you ready to jump? Are you ready to get from where you're at to what the truth of God's word says you can step into? We don't need to continue to stay in a place of feeling defeated. When we, have, when we serve a God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we could ever ask or think. So, in closing, before I get all riled up, in closing, <laughs> there's a song that, that I just love. Because when I first started hearing this word, this song started coming up in my spirit. That is from Vicki Yo, and I'm not going to sing it, unless I hope I don't sing it. So <laughs> I'm going to say the words to you. Well, I might end up singing it because I don't know if I can say the words without singing them. Sing so <laughs> the, the song is called Mercy Seat. Have you ever heard it before? It's a beautiful song. And so when I, was, when I first, first started feeling God leading me to, to, to write and all of this stuff, and, I, and then I saw the writing I had no problem with. And but when he started saying, you got to get in front of people to speak, and the very first speaking engagement I was asked to speak at was 700 people. I had never stepped on a stage in my entire life. And I thought, God, you know when you throw somebody out the frying pan, it's like straight into the fire. I was like, I'm not, I, I can't do that. And the, this is the song that kept playing over and over again to me. If you would stand with me as we're closing things up. The song is called Mercy Satan, and it is really simple. It just goes, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running to the mercy seat where Jesus is calling. He said his grace would cover me. His blood will flow freely. It would provide the healing. I'm running to the mercy seat. I'm running to the mercy seat. And you know what I love about this song where it's really got me? He said that you could come into his presence without fear. Into this holy place where his mercy hovers near. Come running, come running, come running to the mercy seat where Jesus is calling. 
where you're at right now. But when I got that realization that I could come into his presence without fear, into the holy place, the place of this ark of the testimony where his mercy hovers near. <laughs> I can't tell y'all what that did to my life. You're looking at it. Every time I get asked to do something and I say, God, should I even tell them? Are they going to think I'm bragging? He goes, you know who you are. You can't keep worried about that. And you've got to be able to understand that I've called my people to rule and to reign. So you can't be afraid when God calls you out. You can't be afraid when he starts showing up to step out into it and to let people see it. How else will they know he's still a miracle working God unless you tell them? How else will they know that he can do exceedingly and abundantly above all you could ask or think? So if that's you and you feel like David and you're like, God, I don't even know the next step, but I'm willing to come running I'm willing to come running to the mercy seat then I welcome you to come to this altar to lay it on the line and just say I don't care what anybody else thinks about it anymore I don't care what it looks like I don't care if you've been in ministry 50 years if you've gotten to the point where you feel stagnant you've got to do something different you've got to be willing to move and you can't sit there and try to rationalize it trying to think it out is not going to make it happen trying to figure out the make it happen. The only thing that can make it happen is the power of God moving in your life to an extent beyond anything you ever thought was possible. So God, God, we're running. We are running to your mercy seat. Because God, we believe what you said is possible. And we refuse to stand an enemy that you say is defeated. We come here today, God, with our hands lifted high and our hearts wide open to you to do what you do so well, Lord, over our lives. And lead us, God, into places you would have us to go. Not for our name, but for your name and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. make just sure everybody that needs to be here you feel like you need to run to the mercy seat this morning that you need to be here make way and get here you come on and get here we got plenty of ministers available to you thank you for staying with us I know we're a bit lengthy today but this is very very important of what God's been speaking to us from the get-go this morning uh, about what he's saying and what he's doing right now and I'm telling you there's something very powerful transpired in these folks life in the front and so we're going to, I want all the ministers, the prayer prayer team to please come and let's minister to those. And we're going to dismiss you, but I need to release strength to you today. It says David strengthened himself in the Lord. I'm telling you what, at 3.30 this morning, I felt the strength of God come straight from the throne room of heaven and fill my soul. And I'm telling you, there's a strength today in this house that you can lay hold of it and take it back to your situation. And you can pursue and you can overtake and you can recover all that the enemy has taken from you. So we release the strength of God in this house today. We release the strength of God into the souls of people that 
that have been in battles over your family and over your life and over your finances and over your future and over your destiny. And we say, yes, now a strength of heaven rises up in your soul and your spirit and a spirit of hope and a spirit to persevere and overcome and recover all rises up inside of you. And now we boldly say, Satan, whatever you stole from God's people, you got to give it back seven times what you stole. We decree it. We declare it. You got to give it back. Somebody lift your hands. Shout with me. Give it back. Give it back. Give it back. Whoa, come on. Come on if you believe it. of God strengthening the souls of your men and women in this house today that we can pursue overtake and recover all in this season a new hope a new joy a new strength a new expectation we receive it today and we walk in it in Jesus name for the glory of God can we give God some praise in here today This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.